I feel like I should start this episode with a song. Yep. When I get older, losing my hair, many years from now. Jesus Christ. Will you still be sending me a Valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. It's when I'm 64 by the Beatles because this is episode 64. Oh, very spontaneous. I thought that was the earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not my best singing either. Yes, it was. People, people who have been to my most recent show, will, they'll, they'll be able to attest to the fact that I can actually sing better than that. You're covered in ladies' smalls. I've got a, uh, a stage name too. What is it? Joey Toblerone. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Named after the chocolate bar. But Double Whammy was talking to... Holy uh, shit, it's almost Christmas, which means they're going to sell those enormous Toblerones. I know, I want one. Ooh. I want one to put on the stage. Toblerone. You were going to say something? I was going to say I was talking to an Irish girl who was telling me when I was talking to her about the stage name Joey Toblerone. She said, oh, that's cool because in Ireland they use that for when someone's by themselves, when they're on their own. They go, are oh, you here on your Toblerone? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's cool because I've been doing a bit of solo music and so I'm that's right. on, on my Toblerone. You won't be able to just, be a duo. Just me and my guitar. While my guitar gently weeps. Ah, oh, you're selling it to me. I'll have a recording contract after this. You really will. Mm. With whatever company manufactures Toblerones. Who makes Toblerones? Uh, I'll tell you who doesn't. Tell me. Chris Nolan, <laughs> famous director of films. What does he make? <laughs> he makes Interstellar, a film that I recently saw at IMAX. Asterix, don't sit in the front row of IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a little bit too close to the massive screen? I was. It turns out I hadn't been... We've established before that it's been quite some time since I went to IMAX. Unlike me, who watched nine hours of Batman. Exactly. Superior. And I didn't realise that IMAX sells out uh, well before the thing. People like a big screen. They do, as the bishop said to the netball team. So I just checked, I don't know why, but I checked in the afternoon of the film and it had like a little thing that said like, selling out quick. I think I went to double check which screening we should go to. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was like all orange and things. And so I had to book four seats in a row and the only four seats in a row left in the entire cinema were right up the front, oh. which I obviously concealed from my theatre-going friends <laughs> until we got there. You know what you should have done? Booked them three seats in a row up the front, <laughs> sat up the back by yourself. And just hurled popcorn <laughs> at the back of their heads. Indeed. I'll tell you what else IMAX has going for it. What's Some that? pretty good choc mint choc tops. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good choc top. It was really good, although the line-up was so long that I was quite anxious it would be all melty, but it wasn't because I held the bag by the corner. <laughs> Keeping my hand heat You're off of the chalk top. You are, much like Chris Nolan, a cinematic genius. <laughs> right. Uh, what else did I know that wasn't in the film? <laughs> <laughs> the person next to me yes. hated the ending almost as much as he like hated the idea of breathing quietly. <laughs> <laughs> you sat next to a loud breather. <sighs> it was like Darth Vader right at the end <laughs> when, he, when his breathing mechanism had been all crunked I up. I can't handle those people. I'm not a big fan of the whole body sounds in general. <laughs> I used to work many... I wish you'd done an enormous fart just then. <laughs> that would have been an incredible gag. I'm not a fan of... What do you call it? Pop! <laughs> Gaffoo! <laughs> many, many years ago, I worked in an office with a guy who used to... I have to get right in on the microphone so you can hear this properly. Who used to do this all day with his mouth... 
Is he dead now? <laughs> That's fucking terrible. All day, every day. Did you ever call him on it? And he would intersperse it with. What a fucking nightmare factory. Just running his tongue around his mouth. Why? I was like, dude, have you got some loose peanut butter there that you're trying to <laughs> get out? What's the deal with all the licking of the lips? You're not Mr. Ed, although you do actually look a little bit like him now that I think about Ooh, it. Ooh, horse face burn. Trapped in a tiny room with this guy for eight hours a day, five yep. days a week. I think that project was about nine months or something. JT had a short-lived job <sighs> as a jockey. It was awful. <laughs> It was awful. So uh, It I, doesn't sound great, man. I feel bad for you sitting next to Mr. Darth Vader. It was slash. so bad. And he also kept turning to the woman he was with to be like, oh, they could have got a spice. <laughs> <laughs> like, and stuff like that. Like, what was, gave it away, bro? Was yeah. it the giant ship on the poster? He was one of like, I don't understand the desire to call a film. <laughs> you know, like when you go to the movies and you keep turning people going like, Oh, I think he's in a bit of trouble. Like, fucking watch the movie. We're all in here. We've bought a ticket. No one's leaving until the end of the film. It's like people that sing over the top of the artist at a concert. Yeah, not a fan. Like if, if I wanted to listen to you, I would have given you 130 of my good dollars yeah, yeah. to hear you sing. But no, I've actually rocked up to this show of someone who sounds good. Exactly. Could you just zip your giant suck hole? Have a good time, but don't do it in my ear hole, yeah. as the bishop also said to the <laughs> netball team. Unless you're me at a Beyonce concert, in which case... <laughs> All bets are off. <laughs> Hashtag 7-Eleven. Interstellar. Tell me about it. Uh, what, well, should we do the thing where we say, I mean, let's face it, by the time this comes out, it'll have been out for like a month or It'll whatever. be on DVD. No one will give a tiny collection of shit be featured. what we think about Interstellar. <laughs> be featured on iTunes along with Jurassic World. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Why don't you just do something and I'll just play along with it? Because I'm actually quite good at that. Should we As do opposed to you who just... Does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. <laughs> whenever it wants. That's very offensive. I really liked Interstellar. Did you? I thought it was great. Well, you're a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched it with my eyes. Because mm-hmm. uh, we... Cause Who'd it, you go with? Uh, I went with Eileen. Yes. My fiance. <laughs> <laughs> and our friends Georgia and Dave. Yep. Friends of the show, mm. I imagine. Never Probably. Never talked to them about it with them. Do they listen to it? I don't know. I don't want to queer the relationship. I'm going, I'm on a podcast. Uh, so you liked it. You went and watched it with some friends. It came out. You watched it almost immediately. Well, no, I did watch it immediately. I was That's at right. the first IMAX screening. All right, fine. Good backdoor brag. I'm actually <laughs> IMAX royalty now. Yeah, yeah. After my little stint with... I sat in a, in a chair at the, the back. The dark night. It looked like some kind of weird bat throne. And they were like, I'm sorry, this is for Toblerone. <laughs> And they kicked me all the way down to the front and I had to wear a huge conical hat full of turds for my hubris. <laughs> you want to talk about the film or no, you're just no. going to go on about your conical turd hat? <laughs> it's code for how I feel about myself. <laughs> Continuing my in-depth review of Interstellar. You saw it immediately. Yes. And then I had to avoid the interwebs. Yep. Because every article started with like, 
Interstellar is dividing audiences or something, or nerds are up in arms, or science something. I thought the dividing audiences was just because when you seat at IMAX, if you're seated between rows 1 and 18, you go in the left door, and then 18 to 36 is oh, uh, all about for the right door. bragging about your inside goss is on that, the old IMAX. I thought that was the dividing of people. Yeah, was obviously, my worldview is heavily influenced <laughs> by how often I am at IMAX, where I am some kind of man-god. Could you just let me have it? 32 years it took me to get there. Now I've been there and I'm savouring it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So sue me. <laughs> uh, it is below the museum, so I'm sure you can drag some kind of pyramid that you can scrawl your initials on into the aisle. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, it took me a few weeks to see it because yep. I was on call for work yep. and I didn't want to go and buy an IMAX ticket and then get a phone call halfway through and be like, excuse me, everyone, excuse me, excuse me, I've just got to go out. Can someone please tell me if I miss anything about the McConaughey's? Uh, did not want to be that person because no. I have been that person in the past and everyone hates him. Yeah, not as much as they hate the guy that drags them out of Spider-Man so that they can't see the post credits scene. <laughs> Anyway, not bitter. I'm sorry. I had to get my photo taken. We've been through this before. <sighs> I didn't get to see it for a couple of weeks, but I was vaguely aware that it was... About space. About space. All I knew was that uh, McConaughey does space, basically. There was a space thing. Uh, I'd seen the trailer. That was about all. Mm. And uh, I was sort of vaguely aware that it was not like universally loved. Hmm. And he's put a bit of weight on since he did the AIDS movie. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> Which is probably for the best, really. Mm. It's always a compliment to be able to tell someone, you're a bit fuller in the face since you apparently had the AIDS. But <laughs> it's never come up for me. I'm not in the dramatic arts. What do you mean? This is... <laughs> This is dramatic arts. Well, that's true. This is very sh- dramatic and I very artistic. Some cutting edge journalism. I don't know why people are wasting their time with cereal. It's very ethical. When we're exploring the world's history one episode at a time. Right. <laughs> Getting on to the movie. Yeah. Did you like it or not? <laughs> I did. I really, really loved it. I had uh, very few issues with it. And overall, I thought it was really boss dog awesome. Uh, I loved all of the space, yes. which was good because there was many space. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just really enjoyed the film. So I was digging it. Right? Yeah. I was, you know, I don't want to jive talk too much. Yeah. But I was digging it like a honky on a... <laughs> Hot stepping know. out of a flop house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. That's how much I was digging it. That's uh, that's many digs. So for people who haven't seen it yet, the the basic premise of it is that McCon- we're going to spoil it. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, not yet. We will though. Basi- Spoilers will spoil. <laughs> oh, you were talking. <laughs> the basic premise of it is is that it's set in the future, and the Earth's a bit bit shit. Yeah. So basically, Tony Abbott got a second term, <laughs> and now all the crops are dead. <laughs> and so in the future. The world turns into Broken Hill. Basically. <laughs> it's just full of dust. Yeah. And it's a bit of a problem. It's and the crops are dying. And I oh know, what are we going to do? McConaughey's having nightmares and stuff. He's got a young family, wife. She's snuffed it at some point. Yeah. And so he, there's this weird stuff that's going on with the daughter, which they sort of don't explain. And the books are flying out. And Murph. Murph. What's, who calls their kid Murph? <laughs> 
My theory is she's named after Robocop. I feel like there's probably a lot of Murphys out there who are named after Robocop because that movie is awesome. It is. Have you seen the new, new one? Have we talked about that? I feel like we talked about I've it. never seen it. It's all right. I just, I, it's I, I the can't imagine thing it's I've as good seen. as old school Robocop, which has burned into my brain because yeah. I was much too young to see a man doused in acid until he melted. Yeah, and then a truck drives through him. Very upsetting. That's actually a pretty good version of the sound. I don't think I can do that again. No. You've peaked. So then a bunch of stuff happens and they figure out it's a code of the books flying off the shelf and then they go and discover NASA, which has been outlawed Yeah, because I think, as we discussed, Tony Abbott got a second term. <laughs> exactly. Ain't nobody got time for science, fools. No. Nah. So Michael Caine's in it because, well, it's a Christopher Nolan movie mm-hmm. and he's all like, yo, I'm old and I run NASA and this is my kind of hot daughter and she's also an astronaut and stuff. Yeah. Also a cat woman. Ages ago, we sent out all of these people to find somewhere else for us to live because we've screwed this planet. We might as well screw a few more. <laughs> and As the woman said to the dog. One, one fatal problem with our plan. Yep. No pilots. <laughs> oh, McConaughey's here. He's a pilot. What an awesome, convenient coincomadink. What a win. So they convince McConaughey that he's got to go and then they're going to ship the whole earth or some bullshit <laughs> through a wormhole to this new planet when they find it and it's going to be super rad times. But the problem is that he has to fly through space and time and stuff and time will slow down and so everybody's time else will go normals and then he'll stay young and then everyone else will get old. It's like but watching the movie again. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> if he doesn't go, everyone will die. Yep. And at this point, I'm going, you know what? This is pretty cool. I'm, I'm on board with this. You this did. could actually happen. Shazam. We've already invented a Lego worm. <laughs> it's a hop, skip and a jump to a McConaughey wormhole. So he does some sort of U-turn around Saturn and zips through this wormhole when he's got his mates on board and then they go down to find the scientists they sent out. Because they sent out 16, is that right? Uh, I can't remember the number. Anyway, but they we'll sent call it 16. A number of scientists. Probably 16 scientists. Yeah. Sixteen little scientists sitting on a log, mm-hmm. but the log is different planets. And then they go to find the planet, and then they basically end up finding crazy Matt Damon. Yeah, who's just mental. Which I I did like. I had no idea Matt Damon was in it. Neither did I. It was fun when he's they turned really him over, and he's a Matt Damon. I was like, oh, it's a Matt Damon. I've always wanted one of those. There you go. Out of space. Mm. Anyway, bunch of shit goes wrong and. That's all cool and whatever. Don't ever stop recapping this film. No, well, I just need to get people to the point to where it went to shit. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel is, like I know where you're going. He does this thing where suddenly he's trapped in another dimension because he flew into a black hole. And yep. It's actually him. No, here's the spoilers. It's actually him pushing the books off the shelf yep. to try and convince himself not to do it, which would mean that he never got there. And, uh, and then he gets himself rescued from space because his daughter's super smart, like forever. Thanks, Murph. Good one, Murph. What a boss. You really lived up to the Robocop bloody mantra of serve and protect, (laughs) didn't you? (laughs) That's the thing that they don't – it probably doesn't come through super clearly in the film is that it is – Explain it to me because I'm dumb. Well, it's in the near future, but it's obviously a world where instead of the Bible there was just Robocop (laughs) and everyone takes that as the tenets of their society. So the hyper-capitalism that we saw in Robocop has obviously led to resources running out in the planet. But There's also a lot of serve corn. and protect runs through them quite heavily. A lot of corn. Yeah. <laughs> they love corn. Yeah. They love fritters. They love an ear of corn. Mm. They love a corn soup. Love a corn chip. Corn love on a, a CC. 
Love a burrito? So but only if it's got corn in it. It was all pretty good until this whole interdimensional thing went on and then he gets saved and then he's younger than his daughter and she dies and it's all sad and everybody rolled a fat tear except for me <laughs> who was sitting there going, what even is this film? Uh, you went too far, Nolan. You <laughs> went too far. And I look, I don't know how to feel about it. I'm conflicted. Yeah. I liked the space. <laughs> I liked the crazy Matt Damon. Their spaceship was kind of cool. Their robots were super weird. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they were powered by worm brains or something. The, the robots were one of my favourite bits because they were just so idiosyncratic. They were clearly not designed by Johnny Ive from Apple. Which is somewhat refreshing. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, the robots basically look like a big granite mattress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's refreshing to see a robot design where there's been no effort in the design of the robot to make it look like a person. Mm. And it speaks in a just a human voice. And they're really um, engaging. Like, they're really good characters. And they're yes. written really well and their dialogue's great. But they are... Effectively a slab which then articulates and moves depending on the task that it's they look, doing. They look awkward and not designed to be useful for anything. Yeah. Which is kind of one of the things I like about R2-D2. It's not the most, um, I don't even know what words are anymore. R2-D2 isn't much like a robot who isn't also a bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not a particularly useful design to be yeah. a canister, a tri-wheeled canister. Yeah. If only he had some kind of retconned out rockets. Yeah, don't. Please don't. Sorry. Just don't even yep. go there. So I dug the robots and stuff, but it just, I, I don't know how I feel about the ending. It so just, you don't like how the ending just goes crazy fucking five dimension love bullshit. But that's just the way that they projected it. But then we realised that we're them and we're the people that are calling us into space. And what even does that mean? <laughs> I couldn't get my poor feeble brain around it on a Thursday night. Maybe I'm just too stupid. Do you think that's what it is? Answer honestly. No, I don't, don't think hold that's back. what it is. And I've seen, because I, I watched it and went, You're not oh. supposed to nod when you say, no, I don't think yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Uh, there's just no one here to wink at <laughs> and it's making me super uncomfortable. Because after I watched it, uh, and your synopsis is effectively true, like it sticks to... Well, I did watch the film. And the movie... Sp well, yes. <laughs> but the movie spends a lot of time explaining... Corn. The si corn. There's a lot of corn. We can't emphasize enough how many corn. It's children of the corn. But all, In Broken Hill. all of Earth is children. That's my, my first thought was when the dust storm came up, I, it reminded me of a Broken Hill dust storm. Well, I really liked that part because I could emotionally identify yeah. with being in a dust storm and going, oh, this is really shit out. It's like I've had to clean the dust out of my eaves and stuff. Yeah, it's very you're just looking for the line of load in the distance so <laughs> someone could right. tell you to go and fuck your own face. One of the, the chief criticisms of the film is that it attempts to be, and this is the argument as it's articulated, it... it this is not your argument. No, no. This is somebody else's. Yes. This is sort of a, a seemingly popular nerd argument, which is that... Folks at home, while you're listening to this, just do the little air quotation things while Stefan's doing this next bit so you know that he's, he's quoting... Other people. Do you want this me to do it in a funny nerd views. voice? No. Well, yeah. Why not? Right. I thought your normal voice was a funny nerd <laughs> voice. But oh snap! Go for it. that one. Mm, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking figure of fun. I don't know. A fof. I'm a fof. <laughs> so anyway, it's not even your joke. No, it isn't. It's from uh, Men Behaving Badly. Yes. One of the best shows that ever was. So like the <laughs> argument that I've seen on the internet many times. 
You're not supposed to be doing the funny voice yet because you're still introducing. Right, sorry. <laughs> I've lost. See, it's a complicated film, hmm. uh, <laughs> which obviously is bled out to my just having a chat. All right, so here's the argument that I've seen online. Go. For most of the runtime of the film, it professes to be quite scientifically accurate, putting aside the fact that under closer examination, much of the science is, in fact, inaccurate, or at least highly speculative. The film tries to be somewhat of a documentary that speculates based on what we actually believe scientific theory to be, such as its use of spherical wormholes and the time dilation inherent in exploring (laughs) a black hole. But then, at the end of it, it all goes fucking whoopsie, where he goes into a black hole and suddenly he can navigate the fifth dimension with love. Get your fucking feels out of my sci-fi thing. It's all fantasy now. This movie's shit. That is the argument I've seen. (laughs) That is the greatest performance you have ever given. (laughs) I have got tears coming out of my eyes. Right, yeah. No, yeah. And it's, it's an argument that... That's not my argument. No, no, it's not your argument, but it's an argument that... I think is coming from the same emotional place as you have come from, which is that you were watching a movie and then at the end you were like, what the fuck is this? Somebody moved my cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a phrase? Yeah, haven't you read that book, Somebody Moved My Cheese? No, I haven't. No. Uh, it's about people shifting goals and stuff. It sounds good. Fuck, I love cheese, man. <laughs> it's actually a book about tormenting mice. Oh, well, that's rough. Yeah. They just love cheese. I know. And then you move the little hole in the wall and Jerry runs into it. Yep. And it's a valid... Like, and I've seen that argument also spoken of as like, this is a sci-fi movie, that ending has no place in it. Which, uh, which I don't agree with because... I thought the ending was very sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. To my mind, it's a very sci-fi ending. But also, movie genres surely exist to help us just shorthand understand the types of films that we are about to see. But they're not a straitjacket for a filmmaker. I would suggest Christopher Nolan probably goes, I want to tell a story where humanity goes out to try and find life and it finds its future instead or something or whatever his mission statement for this film was. Uh, and then in the writing of it, like it ended up being the marketing department going, oh, it's a sci-fi film. It feels very strange for me that people then come along. And they, this is not just this film, this happens a lot, where they're like, well, this is not a true sci-fi film because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you could probably have that argument forever if you want, but fucking who cares? Like, who on earth cares? It's like arguing that movies based on comic books deviate from the source material. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's different. But who gives a shit? You're arguing with you, two other people, and none of them are cool. Just go away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I exaggerate. It's a, it's a fair read of the film that the ending's a bit weird. I just personally, I found it quite intuitive and I really, really enjoyed it because it was so batshit and it was sort of like... Like Inception was another movie where people said going in that it would be quite hard to follow... Which and it I, wasn't. Yeah, and I came out of... you're in, a moron. Yeah, yeah, and I came out of Inception. That actually hurt my enjoyment of Inception because I kept going, Here's, it's got to be the bit in a minute that everything goes... Like, I was really excited for the bit where all of reality would explode and I would be completely left at sea because I like that bit in a film. Yep. And Interstellar I liked uh, because it had more of that where I wa- I got spewed out into the mundane world after watching the movie and had a good sort of hour and a couple of days to tick it around in my brain and go, what, what's, what's actually 
what's the fucking point of that? Mm. I, I found it. I found it too jarring. Yeah, it just sort of threw me out of. I was very invested in it, and you yeah. know, he flies into the black hole, and you hear the radio start to go dead, and and it was this this really emotional, I think, moment. There were people in the cinema weeping. Really? Like children after I stick needles into their balloons and then their <laughs> eyes. And Don't worry, everyone. I'm a master of IMAX. You'll all be safe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I was, you're really kind of connected to it and you're invested in this character and his motivation and his love for his family and the fact that his daughter's a bit of a bitchhead to him at times because she's resentful that he's Poor left Murph. her. And you're really, really deep in it. And then it just goes full-blown as far left field as you can possibly go. And it, it sort of pulled me out of that emotional mm. bit. And even I think the, the scene where he's pushing the books off trying to remember how to do the code and that sort of thing yeah. should be emotional because he's, he's so frantic and desperate to stop himself from getting there and you know mm. cr- got to create that paradox type thing. But I couldn't get emotionally reinvested in it because I was just sort of sitting there going, hang on, what what do you mean? We've oh, I've sort of spooled up your thinking brain. We've so you manifested feel into a three-dimensional space of bookshelves. It's what? Yeah. <laughs> and it just it kind of just threw me. And so by the end of the film, because that last bit's what, maybe 20 minutes? Yeah. And, and so I sort of walked out going, Well, I think I was emotionally invested in that story, but then the end sort of threw me out of it and I don't know, was, was I emotionally invested? What are, why are we here? What are we doing? <sighs> we should just <laughs> watch nine hours of Batman again. It's, a <laughs> it's certainly a film where you can feel the bits that they're interested in telling and the bits that they just see as having to get through to get there. Like, you know, as I think you said before in the recap a bit where you were like, you know, they find, he finds NASA and they sort of hand-wavingly go, you're the best man for this job. We had other pilots, but they're not as good. Uh, you're the best pilot. You should come with us. And it sets up the um, the emotional crux of the film, which is like he has to leave his kids. Yeah. But they do it in, like, he he agrees immediately. Uh, like, it, it hurts, but he leaves straight away. Yeah. Uh, and then at the very end where he reconnects with his daughter, which is, again, that's the, the bookend to the entire emotional story of the film, which is the separation of a father and his daughter – and he basically rocks up to her bedside and after a minute she's like, fuck off, just go go out and you've got other things to do. Mm. Which is a point I can understand. Because she's 11 billion years old yeah, at this yeah, point yeah. and has a planet named after her. That's right. Planet Mirth. <laughs> I suggest you could probably uh, achieve the same things without making it seem so. Like I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> like he's travelled time, space and the fifth dimension to get back to her. And after a minute, she's like, I'm all right, though. So you should, uh, you should go off and yeah. do something Stop else. cramping my style, yeah. Dad. I'm trying to die with <laughs> dignity over here. It should at least have had a bit of a quick montage of, that involved maybe the idea that they'd hugged each other four times, you know, just to make it earned. But, so there are differently bits where it just goes, yeah, that's boring. We'll just get past that. Yeah, that's boring. We'll just get past that. Uh, do you think that Anne Hathaway was one of those pieces? That she was boring and they just wanted to get past they, her. I don't think they used her very well. No. Because I think I she's th- been in a lot of good films and I think she's a pretty, pretty awesome actor and I liked her as Catwoman. Mm. But she sort of – she has plot points in this and, and she's got uh, sort of uh, – her, her betrayal by her father is mm. kind of 
mirrors this relationship that McConaughey has with Murph. Murph, Murph. You don't really buy into that. You don't buy into her betrayal as much as you you buy into Murph being grumpy yeah, yeah. And, and sad at McCoy. I, I felt she was a bit sort of underutilized, and mm, yeah, I, I don't think this is Nolan's best film. Not even in the top. I don't know. Has he made ten films? It's not even in the top ten. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, I think, and there's certainly, I think she is a victim of it. And there's characters there, like particularly McConaughey's son. Is not a character. What's his name again? I don't know. Who cares? He's a shithead who like wants his wife and child to die. Yeah, and I know some of the people I watched it with were like, "Why was he behaving like that at the end?" Like, and it's not. It's Topher Grace shows up out of nowhere. Who the hell is he? He's Venom. He's Eddie Brock. I know. He's, he's also he's on his way to the church. It's Eric Foreman's been driving <laughs> around for forty years. Uh, <laughs> Low Wisconsin. It's all <laughs> corn. It's corn all the way down. <laughs> And Hayes gets paid out online because she has a speech that sort of so that thing where he's where he goes in the black hole, uh, and he has to, and it sets up the time loop. Yep. And it's a movie that I think you meant to say Anne Hathaway. By the way, what are you saying? You said something about Anne Hayes. This movie, did I? Yep. Oh, she used to go out with Ellen. But McConaughey, when he goes through the wormhole, yes, it's sort of like it's it it overtly crosses from riffing on science to riffing on sort of pseudoscience. Yes. You know, and I can understand why people would go like, oh, I, I, I'm not interested in that shit. Uh, when they talk about relativity, like the sort of mundane nature of, like not mundane, but the idea of that's the time travel that's based in what we understand of science. The idea that when they go down to the planet and they come back, uh, 20 years has passed on Earth or whatever. Dude's like, you left me all by myself. You left me here on my Toblerone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really bad for that guy. He must be super bored. He learned lots of stuff, though. Yeah, that comes up. That's pretty rad. (laughs) (laughs) They they almost over-explain that. You can tell that that's... They realise that that's a a central part of the the premise of the film. Hmm. And so they put a lot of effort into explaining relativity over and over and over again. Because it helps drive McConaughey's desperation. Yeah, and it means that by the time I thought it was a nice wait when they're on the planet and they like their engines get messed up and they're trapped on the planet for an extra 10 minutes and you really feel the weight of their sort of sorrow in that moment. Like yeah. they manage to, to teach you enough about relativity so that when they, when they are showing you that losing 10 minutes basically means that he may well never see his daughter again. You can sort of buy into that, which yes. I thought was quite impressive because it's all, it is very, very sci-fi. Mm. Um, but then on the other hand, when he goes into the black hole and he's in the fifth dimension and he's tra- like going through the time roller decks of bookcases and stuff, they don't really pay any attention to, they're not interested in explaining sort of time paradoxes or loops or anything. Yeah, like they're they just, just like bookshelves talking to his daughter in the past yeah, but yeah. really trying to talk to himself. Well, it seems to Shazam. be uh, the lost theory of time travel, which is whatever happened, happened. Like he's not changing the past. No. Because it's already happened. He's creating it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even though it's already been created. Well, exactly. Ooh. And it's... <laughs> It reminds me a lot of Lost in that Lost had the same uh, reaction from a large part of the audience, which was like Lost ended on a sort of emotional, spiritual beat. 
mm-hmm. like much of Lost was about science versus faith and it was a very sci-fi and there was time travel and all this stuff. It had a lot in common with this story, not in the space way, but in some of the themes and stuff. Um, and when it came down at the end and said, this is actually a story about love and the way that it unites people, a lot of people who were watching it for mysteries and science and sci-fi and stuff went, you can go fuck yourself and you've <laughs> wasted six years of my life, you colossal ass features. Wow. And this, this movie's sort of the same. Like they're setting up the idea that McConaughey is the only one who can save humanity because Anne ha- Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> I why I keep wanting to call her Anne Just Hay. call her Catwoman. Because Catwoman, Catwoman has her speech uh, halfway through where she's like, I want to go to this planet just because it might have a man that I'm in love with on it. And She he, made it personal. And he's like, this time. You're a fucking jerk. It's personal. Get your heart out of your... Out of my way We need to do What's the right idea Spoilers it's, It turns out quite badly <laughs> But She sets up the idea That well actually Me following Love Is not stupid Because love is Sort of this triumphant force In the universe There's sort of a, My interpretation of the film Is they're saying A fifth dimensional being Exists in Length yep. Breadth Depth yep. Time And love Yeah, Basically Is the jam Also much more accurately surmised by Strictly Ballroom with the <laughs> phrase, go with your heart. New steps. Exactly. And that's the thing. So they're saying that, and I think it's, they say it quite overtly. You're saying love is the fifth dimension. Yeah, yeah. Cool. When they're like, gravity is the only, gravity and love are the only things that can move through time as freely as we move through three-dimensional space. Wow. So when he goes into the sort of tesseract thing that the future people, aliens have created for him. Yep. And he's lost in his weird time Rolodex. He is uniquely able to affect purely Murph's existence because he can use love to tether himself to mm. her, and he can go back and do the things that he was going to do. And that's the thing. That's what the movie is, and it's quite valid for people to go. That's a colossal wank shit. <laughs> go fuck yourself for us. But. I Nobody actually said that to you, did they? No, no. Oh, I feel like you, you're sort of playing the victim a little bit here. Well, no, it's just I have a lot of experience with go, like sitting at parties and going, you know, I quite like Lost has its flaws, especially towards the end, but I quite liked it. And people going, get off the interwebs. And I'm like, but I, I literally have nowhere else to go. I have no, <laughs> <laughs> no skills. And this movie's quite the same with people going, get your feels out of my sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't argue with them because... It's it's a, here talking to me. Well, that's right. It's a specific taste, but I just I just really like it. Cool. How many stars? As many stars in the movie, which is probably millions. I think you've done this gag before. Probably. It's a space I, I, film. I think you did it with Guardians of the Galaxy, There's maybe. Many stars. No, I feel like you've done the gag where no, no. you listed all the actual <laughs> stars in a film in terms of the cast members. That was a good, that was a <laughs> good did, gag. I think I did do that. Uh, I'd probably give it. Four stars. You were going to say three and then you upped it. I was going to say three and a half because I like I spent a week after watching the film Googling space exploration, uh, dimensions, theory, all this stuff. And it's quite a rare – like there's stuff that I walked out and went, that film was bad at these things. Yep. But the idea that this sort of little artwork could send me off into the world and go – fuck, I'm really interested in the future and how humanity is going to navigate it. Like, that's quite rare. That doesn't happen a lot. Most of the time I just walk out and go, 
that was awesome. A robot shot a dinosaur in the face. Lol. Yay. Back to my humdrum existence. But this gave you something to think about. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give the first two hours and 40 minutes five stars. Yeah. And the last 20 minutes mm-hmm. one star. <laughs> Complicated. So I guess you could call that. Hang on, if you average that, you get uh, still pretty high. Yeah, it's it's around the the four mark. It depends where. It's a good film. Go and see it. Go and see it at IMAX even because it's a phenomenally spectacular spectacle. It's spectacular. Yeah. Even it really is. It's an amazing piece of cinematography. It super is. Yep. I really like. Should we end on that? Why not? You want to say something funny? Uh. Oh, I sure love eating beans. Fart <laughs> <laughs> noise. That's gassy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should we edit out that pause? Yeah, we should. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> uh, I'm ruined. I'm ruined at podcast. I actually, now. I feel bad because I actually promised that I would do that at the start, so you would be self-conscious all the way through, and I left it for about 15 minutes.